Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We're going to be starting a new series today. Ironically, with the church being called City Hill, if you haven't before, please make sure you do download the City Hill uh, London app. It's the best way to stay connected. We've got a new version coming out, which is going to have some new features on it as well. Um, It's a really good way to find out everything about our church and stay connected with all that's going on. But we're going to be talking about a city on a hill. The church is called City Hill, and this passage we're going to be looking at is the main passage that kind of formed this church, the reason why we started this church, the reason why we started doing these meetings. So we're going to be reading from Matthew 5, uh, verse 13, 14, 15, and 16. We're just going to be reading a couple verses together, and then we're going to unpack some pretty simple stuff that Jesus says, but really, really life-changing. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So the first thing we're going to be talking about today is we're talking about salt. He said, it is you who are the salt of the earth. So he points out you. He's saying it to the crowd. It is you. He's making a declaration about their identity, about who they are. But you've still got to step into that. Like You can't have someone say that over you and then not get involved in it. It's depending on how you respond to what he's saying. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus is letting his people know this is a fundamental part of your identity you're to be like salt. There's a couple of things that salt can do, especially in their time and setting. So salt, as we know, salt bay, it's all about getting that flavor on that meat. It's all about that little sprinkles. We love a bit of the flavor. I mean, I'll be honest, I rarely cook with salt, but you'll see my wife just chucking it on after because she doesn't rate my cooking. Um, but like, yeah, salt adds the flavor. So the first thing Jesus is saying is like, if you're one of my disciples, you bring flavor to people's lives around you. Like people can taste it. And then the second thing he's saying is salt is a preservative. People didn't have no fridges back then. Like this is what you preserve your meat in. You would put your meat in salt to preserve it so that it would have a longer shelf life. They would also use it for wounds, like for sanitizing, for healing. And so these are the three things that we've got to think about that when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you're my people. You bring the flavor to people's lives. You bring... You bring longevity, you preserve in situations where situations where things are falling apart, things are going wrong, you are preserving. You're not like like going around gossiping to end it quicker. You're not going around like smashing it up. You're preserving it. You're bringing the peace. You're restoring it. You're keeping it going. And then he says about like for the healings, like we all have friends, we all have people who get deep wounds and we're kind of the salt that preserves and brings healing in that situation. And then he goes on to say this, but there's a big but. If salt has lost its taste, how should its saltiness be restored? This is a weird thing Jesus is saying because salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It doesn't. The whole point of his illustration here is this doesn't happen. Salt doesn't stop being salty. Salt doesn't start losing its taste. 
But then the weird thing is, you see, that's the way your Bible translates what he says. But what he actually says is, but if salt becomes uh, mad, if salt became stupidified, if salt could become foolish, that's what he says. He uses a word that associates more with us as people than with the salt itself. So the translator here goes to say, if it's lost its taste, because that's what makes sense in the wider story. But he's talking to a people going, well, if you're salt and you're the salt of the earth, but if you became foolish, if you became stupidified, if you became mad, if you lost your senses, what would you be good for? And then he talks about how salt, like you wouldn't keep it in your house. You don't keep salt on the shelf. If you poured it on your food one day and it stopped bringing the flavor, you wouldn't keep it hoping the next time it brings some flavor. You just bin it. If your fridge stops working, you don't keep buying food and stacking it up with meat and fish and thinking, oh, I'll be all right to eat those prawns a couple of days later. You could kill yourself. Like, you don't do that. No one does that. You bin the fridge. If you had, like, their equivalent of salt, if you had things in your first aid kit that weren't going to clean up no wounds, you wouldn't keep it there. Because in an emergency, you need your first aid kit to bang. If that doesn't work and you injure yourself, you hurt yourself, you're in real, real trouble. It needs to work. And so he says... It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. People will trample over it because no one wants it. No one's going to be walking past when people leave things at the front of their house. If it's nice, it gets taken. If it's not, it's still there a few, few days, a few weeks later. You see it. Sometimes puts out a nice piece of wooden furniture. Sometimes that goes quick. Someone puts out a used mattress. Like You'll see that thing outside that house for a long time before that goes anywhere. And he's saying here that if it has lost its taste, how will it be restored? It's not good for anything. It's thrown out. It's trampled under people's feet then he goes on to say it is you you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all who are in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven So he moves on the one hand talking about salt. And when he talks about salt, it comes with a but. When he talks about light, it comes with a so. He's talking about the exact same point, the exact same reference, the exact same idea, but with two different things. And on the one hand, the but is about when things go wrong and how things pan out. And then on the other hand, when he talks about light, he talks about how it goes right. So he says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Now, when we talk about this part of the, the passage, he's, he's spoken about a city on a hill can't be hidden. It, it's not like people light up their rooms, people light up their homes at night. And if you're a long way off, you see that glow over the horizon. Even before you get to it, you see it sometimes. So we live like really high up. So we've got a view from like the eighth floor. So sometimes I can see a glow on the horizon a long way away. And there's a football stadium there. And like, even though I can't see the stadium, even though I can't even see the lights of it, I see the clouds are above it and the sky just goes this bright white and it stops you seeing the stars because of the light pollution. It just, it's there so you can't see anything. You can't miss it even when you can't see it because it, yes, Silas, it starts revealing what's there. It's unavoidable. It's unmissable. You can't miss it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He goes, people don't light lamps and put it under a basket. Could, I mean, in today's world, it's so different because obviously... We've even got a lamp here and it's not even being used. <laughs> like we live in a different world. We've got all these wonderful um, lights. We just flip a switch 
and our, our, our whole place gets illuminated and we can see everything so nicely. But could you imagine today if Fran, the owner of the restaurant, came down and she was going, guys, like these lights, we just need to start sticking baskets on the ceiling and just nailing them shut so that the light doesn't come out. It'd be like, Fran, what are you doing? You just turn the lights off. Like, what are you thinking about? Just leave the place dark. But no one, no one in their home positions their lights on the floor. We always position it in the best place to give light to the room around us. So Jesus takes two illustrations and in both illustrations, he talks about something completely nonsensical and completely unnatural to the characteristics of the items he talks about. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. But what Jesus realized and what I've come to realize, having been around church for a long time, that there are some miracles Christians can perform greater than any other miracle. And this miracle today is the one we're talking about in this passage. They can lose their saltiness. They can lose it. It's unreal. Like some Christians will go around and you'll get these big faith preachers and all this kind of stuff on, on the amazing spectrum. But the miracle I see more than anything else is I see salt lose its taste all the time. I've hung around so many people and I've heard about others where they're a light. You are the light of the world. And I'm talking to them in a conversation. And I've had this conversation so many times when they talk about young people and children and future generations and our nation and our culture and our society. And they'll say to me, it's so dark out there. It's such a dark time we live in. Oh, in my day, it was da 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 da. And they talk about how dark it is. And I'm like, well, if it's so dark, you're the light. You're the light. And if it's dark, you turn a light on, the darkness is gone. The darkness is gone. So as we're having the conversation, they're talking about how dark this generation is, but really they're talking about how dark they are. Because they're not illuminating anything anymore. They've performed the miraculous. They've managed to make light not function. They've managed for salt to lose its taste and its flavour. Yes, Silas, you know who I'm talking about. They've lost it. They don't preserve anything anymore. They're not adding any flavour to anyone's life around them. They've stopped being salt and they've stopped being light. I mean, when I was reading about this, I was thinking, Jesus, you've picked two images that don't make any sense because salt doesn't do that. And I've never, I've still, even with mood lighting, I've never met anyone putting lamps under baskets. Has anyone ever met anyone? Does anyone know any whack family member they know that puts lights that they turn on and puts under a basket? Like, this is, I mean, great. This is, this, is, this is the one time in church where you ask people to put their hands up and no one puts their hands up and it's just a win. Like, no one knows that. No one knows that. Who does that? No one does it. But he goes on to say, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I guess as I started to read that, I started to feel a bit of an anxiety, I've got to be honest. I started to think about me and I started to think, God, I can think of some times where I was like a Christian salt bay in my life, where I was bringing the flavour to people's lives and I started thinking, Lord Jesus, I don't want 2022 to be a year where I'm not salty anymore. And I don't mean that in the wrong way. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of problems with this passage. The first problem is in the first part, we've got a really big but that needs to become a so. In the first passage, but if the salt has become foolish. And in the second passage, so that they may see your good works and give glory. And when it says glory, like it doesn't say give praise. Praise is like a spoken thing that happens. Anyone can give praise. Oh, yeah, I really like the way that you've dressed yourself today. It's just great. You look amazing. You know what I mean? It's so cheap. It's cheap. But glory is weight. It's weight. So glory would be Andre. And I know this is obviously social media, but. I've seen some of the things you've been doing with the courses you've been putting on and how people have been finding real purpose and meaning in their lives. 
that's glory, that's weight, that's a change, that's adding value, it's significant. And so you see, when you're salty, God gets glory. Right kind of salty. <laughs> right kind of salty. Salt bay, intentional, flavouring the meat around us. When you position your light, not just for yourself, but for those around you, God starts getting glory from it. It's not light, it's not cheap, it's significant, and it's heavy. So when I started to think about this year, I started to think about who we are as a church, City Hill, that's what our name is about. Our name is about this passage. We want to be people as individuals. As a collective, we want to position our light so that it makes a difference in the world around us. But actually, as individuals, each one of us, we want to be stepping out this year. I wanted to take a moment to make this a little bit more practical and not just something like we hear or whatever. Uh, if you've got a notebook, if you want one, I think we've... Oh, have we not? Have we run out? Have we, oh, you've got some. Uh, we've got some City Hill notebooks that Trini will give you if you haven't got one. If you want to make notes on your phone, you make notes on your phone, whichever way you want to do it. I want us to think about one thing. I want us to pray about one thing. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and ask him to come and speak to us. Because, like, this is Sunday. Monday, I don't know if it's bank holiday, I get it. But, like, this week, some of us are going to be going back to work. Some of us are going to be going back to schools we work in. Some of us are going to go back into different roles we work in. Some of us are going to go into different environments and we would iron our clothes ready for work. We'd get our lunch sometimes. Some of us make it early. Some of us actually reply to emails before we go in. Some of us start to try and get a little bit ahead of ourselves so that we can kind of kick off in the new week and we get those things done. So what I wanted us to do today is I wanted us to think about the salt. I wanted us first to write down who. The first thing to write down is who. You don't have to put their name. Just write down who and start praying. Lord, speak to me about the who this week. Speak to me about the who. And the second thing is the how. And we'll end today with the why. But it's the who and it's the how. You see, when you're salt and when you're light, things get really uncomfortable. And I understand now why a lot of Christians start to lose their salt and they start to lose their light. I can can see how they do it. Years ago, at a church around the corner from here, my mum and dad attended it. My dad was there for like 40 years of his life. And my mum and dad couldn't have kids. Doctors had told them they wouldn't have kids. They'd had three miscarriages at birth, like full term, losing the kid. My parents were traumatised. They'd kind of given up on it. And a lady in that church, she had a moment, and I'll be honest with you, it was a lady I think my dad wasn't, didn't get on with best, which made it more painful. But she stood up and she prophesied and she said that Brian and Janet... God's going to give you a son. Now, you have to understand when you've had a pregnancy that's come all that way and then you lose, when you've carried that long, that's brutal. I've seen friends go through that. It's so brutal. I've seen marriages fall apart after it. I've seen whole relationships done. Like, it's horrible. My dad hears that word. He's not standing in church going, yes, come on, God, you're going to give me a kid. My dad is heartbroken. He's angry. How dare she say that? Who does this woman think she is? And she's just making sure it's uncomfortable no one wants to say it no one wants to do it but she's going to be salt they're not they don't get on well together but she's going to hear God and she's going to do what he said and then my mum is pregnant with me and she's losing me the same way as other three and I remember my dad runs to the front of the church and asked the church to pray and the church just started crying out to God 
and God healed my mum and it's the reason I'm able to do this today and it's the reason that I'm here. It's because a woman was brave enough to be salt. Sometimes being salt, and that's the reason why I say about it's important to be salty because sometimes being salty is uncomfortable in the wrong sense but we got to be salty in the right sense and not be afraid sometimes to speak some really important truths to people because sometimes my dad could have approached that situation very differently. He could have approached that situation. I've been here before. This is the knockdown. I'm not coming at this with faith. I'm not believing God in it. I've been there three times disappointed. I can't do this again. I'm not strong enough. And he knew he was weak. But because of that word, he ran forward and he asked everyone to pray and to cry out to God. And God heard. And you know what? I felt like this term going into my school, I can see one person in my school that got two people in my school that God has laid upon my heart that I work with two people that I'm going to start speaking words that I know they're uncomfortable. I know that like, like, they might not speak to me again. I might lose people I really, really love and care about, but just because I believe that God has something better for them in 2022, and just because I believe that he's going to do something significant in their lives in 2022. So I want to encourage you guys to start thinking about the who, and then I want you to start thinking about and start praying about the how. How, God? And I don't mean how for you to solve their situation. You don't solve their situation. All you are is some flavor. All you are is you're going to bring a bit of faith to it. All you're going to do is bring a bit of preservative to it. You're not going to heal it all. You're not going to turn it all around. You're just the preservation that keeps them in the game until God does his time and he brings about what he's going to do. You're going to bring light. Light, you don't see light. None of us see light. Light reveals to us what's there. You cannot see light. You don't look. Light is moving all around this room all the time. You can see the source of the light. But the light reveals what's there around us. And what you and I are going to be in 2022 is people who reveal what's there. John Maxwell said this about hope recently in one of his uh, leadership uh, talks. He said, hope, if you don't have hope, you can't give it to someone. It's non-transferable. It's only transferable if you have it. You can't give someone something you don't have. If you don't have hope, you can't give hope. So the first thing you find is Jesus is the one that says you're the light of the world because he's the light of the world. It says in the prophets that one would come and they would see a great light. And that's talking about the nativity story. And then he turns around and says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You, you, you. And the the thing I want to end with here is what is so key is this isn't something you do. This is something you are. This isn't something we do. There are actions that come out of this, but this is the nature of who we are as Christians. This is the nature of who we are as Christ followers. If you want to follow Jesus, this is not a negotiable. This is something you are. Otherwise, you are literally what he says about lost taste. You're just mad, stupidified. You're foolish. But he calls us to surrender to him that God may get his glory out of our lives. I'm going to pray for us and that will be it for today. Father God, as I, as I look at this passage and as I bring this kind of talk in this to a, conclu- a conclusion, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us about the who. I pray you'd speak to each one of us about the how, the how we bring the salt to people. But Father God, above all, Father, I look at the why. You are the why. You are the why, Lord Jesus. You are the one who makes us whole. You are the one who gave your life on a cross for us. That we could be whole, that we could be like you, that we could be forgiven. And you then give us a new identity. 
where you call us to be the people bringing the flavor, the preservative, the sanitizing. You call us to be people who reveal what is there, that you will get your glory. I pray, Lord, that this week we would remember the why, what you've done for us, and that the why isn't something we do, it's who we are, and the actions follow out of it. I pray you'd help shape each one of us, Lord, to position the light that we have as best we can. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to challenge you all um, that when you have lunch or whoever you have lunch with or if you have lunch with other people from church or as a family, I want to challenge you all to do your best salt bay. Grab some salt, sprinkle it on whatever it is you're doing. And while you sprinkle the salt, I want you to say maybe one thing or one person or one activity you're going to do that's going to season someone's life with either flavour or preservative and then just go out there and, and, and give it a go and let God get his glory. Um, yeah. Have a great week. Next week is going to be our Sunday for learning. Today was our preaching Sunday. Um, Andre will be leading us in a time of learning where we'll take the same idea and same theme and move it forward for the third Sunday of the month. Jamelia will be here. We'll have a time of prayer and engaging with that. The fourth Sunday, we'll have a time of worship. Leanne is going to be here. And then it's a five-week month. So the final, final Sunday will be discipleship. So that will be key activities, challenges, things that we can do and behaviours we can build and embed into our lives to live this out to the fullest. Have a great, great Sunday and enjoy the first weekend of 2022. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the light, we are the light. We are the light, we are the light.